0: Welcome to the Nine Moms podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's podcast and and here she is. This week's episode is sponsored by asanaetc.com asana etc is a czech produced online yoga and movement platform brought to you from the founders of prague yoga collective and a couple of other people who've gone together to create some place where we can be together when we can't physically be together it can be comfort to find classes and community online to keep feeling good about ourselves both physically and mentally and we've just released a bundle of prenatal yoga videos with me that I'm teaching so if you are pregnant and you've never done any yoga before they're perfect for you and there are also videos for those of you guys that might be pregnant that have a strong practice already and you'd just like to know how to modify a little bit as belly grows and also if you're not pregnant or you're not planning to be pregnant there's lots and lots of videos for you to practice with as well so if this sounds amazing then head to asanaetc.com that is com, and get your seven-day free trial today after that unlimited access to all our videos is only 12 euros a month so go ahead and head to asanaetcetera.com. In today's episode, we hear from Kat. She will take us through the birth stories of both of her little ones, Lyra and Tober, or Robert, as as is his full name. Um, With Lyra, Kat had a hospital birth and lots of intervention and struggled with breastfeeding and we will also talk about antenatal and postnatal depression and with Toba she had a lot of knowledge in her back in her backpack or in her <laughs> baggage uh, from Lyra's birth so she learned she takes us through how she learned um, how to ask for help and how to how to advocate for herself in her second pregnancy, birth and postpartum and we talk about her having a redemptive birth with Tober in the end and she had a home birth with him so I really hope you guys enjoy Kat's stories, I sure did when we had our interview, enjoy Hi Kat and welcome to the 9 Months Podcast (laughs) Thank you (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for trusting me with your stories today. Um, would you like to start by introducing yourself and who is in your family and maybe where, where in the world you guys are at?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Kat and um, I live in Caterham, which is just south of London. Um, there is uh, me, um, my husband, Chris, and then we've got two little ones, Lyra, who is uh, two years and four months and Robert, who we call Toba um, who is uh, just turned three months. Oh, little one! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start with your journey to
0: becoming pregnant with Lyra. Did you guys plan to have a baby, and how? How did you find out that you were pregnant?
1: Yes, we did. So Lyra was was very much planned, and we did that waiting, and you know. Um. Counting down the days to take a test, or to see if you come on, and all of that, and it just it it just feels like you're perpetually waiting. Um, and then <laughs> I so I I waited, and I was like one day late, and I was like this could be it. Um, after a couple of you know a couple of months, and at 4 a.m. I couldn't. I was awake, and I was like I'm going to take a test now, and it was positive. And I went in, and I said, Chris, Chris. I'm pregnant, it's positive. And uh, he, thought, he thought I was being a little bit. Um, I, I had maybe been a bit overexcited with pregnancy tests previous months to that. <laughs> um, so he went, Oh, that's nice, and gave me a kiss and went back to sleep. Oh <laughs> because... <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then uh, I went and bought about five more and did them all and was very excited.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's how he found out it's so funny i just did another recording yesterday and we were also talking about this fact that we we all just get five tests or so just to yeah. really be sure you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's wonderful it's wonderful so how was the pregnancy with lyra then uh did you know what kind of birth you wanted and what were you planning for
1: uh so i'm a big planner so um i we we took, uh, we took two different birthing classes and um, we did hypnobirthing um, in order, because I'd, I'd read about hypnobirthing previously and, and learned a lot about um, kind of those natural, you know, going back to more natural birth and it being medicalised. And it really appealed to me. So we learned about hypnobirthing and when I told my husband he heard the name Hitner and he's a very practical person um, I work in the arts but he's a computer programmer and, and it's very different and he, he was very skeptical because the word hypno and I said no it's really science-based and so we went along and we had a, a, a wonderful wonderful teacher called Laura at the lemon tree and she explained it was all very science-based and as soon as he saw that he was far more on board and that definitely helped me prepare for the birth Uh, and then we also did um, NCT which is uh, kind of um, it's paid for and it's a it's a group we did that more to meet other parents in our area because we used to live in London so we haven't we don't really most of our friends are in London rather than kind of where we are so we decided to try and make uh, some more connections around here and that's worked really well because there was eight couples in the class and we started a whatsapp group with the mums and we all had our babies within six weeks of each other and we so our children have grown up together and even though we've not been able to see each other at the moment because as we're talking right now it's early 2021 yeah. um, <laughs> uh, we, we still talk every single day and i feel so lucky to have met a wonderful group of, of women um, and their children so that's really nice Uh, It's so
0: important, isn't it, to just have a little bit of support system of people going through the same thing as you are, you know, even if you're, even if you're completely different people on the outside, you know, you're still going through the same,
1: same thing in life. And it's, it's 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 so bonding. Mm, Yeah. I think it also really helped to have people at the same time because I uh, have quite a few friends that have children, but I, babies change so much in that first well even in the first two years but especially those first six months to a year mm. that you know what you have to like what's happening one week is completely different from another week so when you have someone saying oh I think I did this you know they might be remembering what they did at four months not one month and it's
0: yeah you know all that
1: kind of thing so when you have other people that are going through exactly the same age as you, and stage as you it's nice to say this is happening, and everyone else going Yeah, that's happening to us too. It must be normal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it must be normal. It's yeah, not just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the same with the pregnancy as well. Because we did those classes, I think from about I was about thirty-three weeks pregnant to about thirty-seven weeks pregnant. Um, so it was going to that last bit with them, and sharing our birth stories with each other was also really helpful. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. That's great. But I was really healthy during pregnancy luckily I had an anterior placenta which meant the placenta was at the front so I didn't actually feel her move at all until 24 weeks which is quite common with them but um I found that quite difficult because I w- was desperate to feel my baby and everyone else you know talks about well oh, I felt my baby when I was only 14 weeks pregnant and I was like double that going come on um but that was nice
0: Did that bother you with the with the anterior placenta? Was it uh, is that placenta previa? Is that the same thing? No, No?
1: that's low lying placenta. Uh, This is just it's it's nothing wrong with it. It's just that because of the placenta at the front. um, So the baby kicks into the placenta. So you don't really you don't really feel them as much. And so it's, it's completely normal. It's just where it is.
0: Okay, but it doesn't bother like the birth process or anything. It's no, just... luckily not. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Just wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else from the pregnancy that you wanted to to share
1: with us? Yes. It's only in in hindsight that I'd never heard of antenatal depression. I'd heard of postnatal depression. So I wasn't really looking out for feelings of depression whilst pregnant, but actually that's what I got. And um i i found myself really low and with the hormones and everything and the changes uh, and i was really shocked to kind of learn about you know the fact that you can have depression during pregnancy Mm -hmm. um yeah so i i struggled with that and i think that was that was really quite a dark time um yeah yeah a bit of a shock yeah,
0: and how, did you know during pregnancy? Could you identify it, or did you identify those feelings after giving birth, and or a while after, or how, how did that go?
1: I knew I was very low, and uh, I mentioned it to my midwife because here in the UK, um, you we, we you go to midwives, and mine is at my GP surgery uh, at certain dates throughout your pregnancy. And I didn't have continuity of care. It tends to be a different midwife each time, it was just whoever was on shift that Wednesday. Um, And I think I would have preferred a continuity of care because sometimes it felt like you were saying everything all over again every single time. But I I remember mentioning it um, at my booking in session and getting told, oh, yeah, low moods are completely normal and it being quite brushed off. so, yeah, I, it wasn't taken that seriously in my first pregnancy. Um, yeah. Yes, which I think didn't help because I then went on to de- develop postnatal depression as well. Right. Um, How did you manage
0: to deal with the antenatal depression in your first pregnancy? Did you just go through it like they said or or did you, was there anything you did you talk to someone or?
1: No I did just go through it I think I'm very lucky that I have a very supportive network around me Mm. because it's very true it it, it not only takes a village to raise a child but I think that starts from pregnancy not just from when the baby's born yeah but yeah I've got a really supportive um like friendship group and I'm very lucky I live near my parents and you know we live in the age of the internet and telephones so it's easy to surround yourself with support
0: yeah definitely and it's something that we don't hear about so much and even postnatal depression even as much as we hear about postnatal depression it's not talked about so much and sometimes brushed off I think as well you know they have to ask they ask you how are you feeling and you go oh yeah yeah you know great (laughs) and then there's nothing else to it so so yeah there could be some more i think some more support in that
1: sorry i I think i was looking i think i didn't notice what it was um because when i think thought of depression what i thought of was being very kind of almost like melancholy and very upset but it wasn't that i i became very detached and numb and and distant and and those things and And I I did have very low moods, but it was almost like a complete numbness of wanting to just disappear.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Um, So, how did you go on from from there
0: towards preparing for birth? Was that more difficult then, or or how
1: did you how did you go about it? I think, well, my hypnobirthing teacher was a real support. Um, We were very lucky. She was always at the end of a phone, both during the pregnancy and afterwards because she's a big advocate of the fourth trimester um and so supporting us through that and in fact um because (laughs) i've just finished the fourth trimester with my son she actually messaged messaged yesterday to see how we were doing with him which is nice and to feel like you have that support yeah so you've Um, had the same teacher then
0: since since your first yes we decided yeah
1: we 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 had a a refresher course yeah um, but via zoom because it's 2020 yeah, but of course so i felt quite lucky that we we did have that already knowing her from the first pregnancy um but the birthing was great i think with that we learned so many techniques um and also i the birth that i was planning i think before i started doing doing birthing was i just assumed i'll go into a hospital and, and give birth in a hospital and do what I'm told but um and I I still did plan to go into a hospital but it was really nice to have um to feel like I had a toolkit of uh birth preferences rather than a birth plan um so one of the because aff- we did things like affirmations which I think before I would have thought was a bit airy-fairy but really helped to be able to like say certain things to myself over and over just meant that by the time i gave birth they were true and real in my head without even thinking such as my body is made to do this like i know what i'm doing and um trusting whatever path my birthing takes and that was interesting because i kind of assumed when i started the course that it'd be very um kind of giving birth vaginally is the correct way of doing it but it it wasn't it was sometimes you need a cesarean and you can hypnobirth through a cesarean it's all about feeling like you have control and you're owning your um pregnancy which is
0: good yeah that's really good I think that's I never did a hypnobirthing course but I have lots of friends and and a friend here in Prague who teaches hypnobirthing and and we talk about that how how important it is to have this this language um for yourself but also with the people around you that are supporting you through the process of, of birth and just how how important it is to use the same or or use positive
1: language. And also understanding um the f- uh, what the feelings of labor are to take away the fear. So um, one of the things you went through was when you first go in, uh, when you go into labor, those first pains, what they're doing are the uterus pulling upwards and then and like you get shown diagrams of what the uterus is doing and what the contractions are physically doing to your uterus so it meant that when I was going through the contractions or surges or everyone's called them you know it's far easier in my head to go yeah that hurt but I know what it's doing it's pulling up my cervix or it's pushing down my baby or you know uh, because I knew what my body was doing it took there was no mystery it wasn't ah what's happening it, I mean obviously it's, it's still very shocking <laughs> the system, but, but um, that definitely helped ah, yeah. take away some of the fear most definitely
0: and yeah I can definitely imagine so so then when did you go into birth uh into sorry when did you go into labor <laughs> when did you go into
1: birth uh how many weeks ago? <laughs> or did you go into labor I did I did go into labor with Lyra. Um, And again, I think it was the support of um, Laura that helped me because I was booked in for an induction without my say-so. I got told, okay, we're going to book you in for an induction if you don't go into labour by 41 weeks plus five days. And I said oh no I'd rather wait until at least 42 weeks because I'm not overdue until 42 weeks and they said okay well we still book it in anyway so you know you can call up on the day and say you don't want to go but we'll still book you in I think I found that psychologically quite difficult knowing that I was going to head towards this date that I had to have an argument (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, uh, and actually on the day I called up and I said because she was born in September I, and that's one of the busiest birth months, so I called up and said, "Hi, I'm booked in for an induction today, um, but I want to, you know, wait a couple more days because I'm not overdue yet. Uh, you know, I'm not over 42 weeks. There's absolutely no risk at the moment." And uh, they went, "Yeah, that's fine." I said, "I can still come in for monitoring." And they said, "Oh, let's call you back." And they called back five minutes later and said oh actually we're really busy today so if you're happy we're happy we'll just speak to you in a couple of days <laughs> and I was like all of that but they make out as though it's so dangerous you know everything's so dangerous until they're busy yeah right. <laughs> like, oh, maybe maybe it wasn't you know quite so that was nice to have an extra couple of days yeah um, yeah um, but she was eventually born at 42 weeks in one day mm. <laughs> um and there's a wonderful Facebook group called Ten Month Mummers uh, UK, who are it's all about talking through being overdue or you know worrying about being overdue and all those things. Um, so I'm glad I did that because I I cook my babies long. They are I'm a slow cooker, not a microwave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> wonderful
0: yeah so yeah there's a lot of
1: there's a lot of push and pull there if you go overdue well going especially going through the becoming 42 weeks um and the pressure that was put on me then i'm now a big advocate of patient-led pregnancy care or any care but specifically you know in this instance patient-led pregnancy care and not statistics-based pregnancy care because, you know, where one woman is at 42 weeks, you know, is not going to be where another or, you know, pregnant person is, is not where someone else is. Um, And if there is absolutely no signs of problem to the baby, then induction has its own risks. So I'm all for maybe you know at 42 weeks having a scan to check because you know the the worry is people that don't know is that um when babies go overdue there's an increased risk of you know stillbirth through um if you look at the statistics it's still even over 42 weeks i think the risk goes back to where it was at the same risk as 37 weeks and they don't tell you that because if you had a baby at 37 weeks you know they say oh your term But you're over 42 weeks because it's this very similar risk and they suddenly act as though the world is collapsing in on itself (laughs) um uh, and so i i think you know monitor see if the like the amniotic fluid has lessened see if the baby's heart rate is dropping or the baby seems in distress but if none of those you know if it's it's still a healthy pregnancy i I think i I, i'm not fan of induction for being past 42 weeks and it was something I was very nervous about with my second pregnancy having gone through what I'll talk about in a minute with my birth of the first pregnancy yeah
0: yeah Yeah, for sure so do you want to go ahead and jump into
1: Lyra's birth then yeah so I was 42 weeks and I had to um, call up for an induction on that day as well so you call up the hospital at seven o'clock in the morning. So I set my alarm for six forty-five AM, woke up, called and they said, um, you have to come in for your abduction at 2.30. And I said, Well, I'll I'll come in for monitoring the discussion about induction. Um but I was uncomfortable and pretty fed up of being pregnant by 42 weeks pregnant. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> so because it was 2 30 in the afternoon, I couldn't get back to sleep. Um we got up and decided to have like a nice fun probably last morning just the two of us <laughs> so we went and we decided to go and get a greasy spoon breakfast I don't know why and um, so a full English breakfast at a greasy spoon cafe down the road and um, as I was finishing my breakfast I went either I've just had a really dodgy breakfast or I'm in labour
0: oh <laughs> um, ah, great <laughs> and, and
1: we always have ever since we called her last minute lyra because everything she does (laughs) even now is last minute but i think you know going into labor three hours before my planned induction was definitely last minute um but that was really nice uh and we suddenly were like oh we're not sure do we still go in because I think I'm, you know, I'd never been in labour before. And I was a bit worried. It was my brain telling me I was in labour or it was a false start or all these things. So we decided to still go into the hospital, um, because the contractions weren't strong or regular and, you know, we'd go in and have a, uh, and check the baby was okay. And as soon as we got in the pressure, you know, we had a consultant and the pressure really ramped up. Um, and we were left for quite a while. And uh, I think it was, you know, probably about five o'clock in the evening. So we'd been there about three hours. The consultant came in and said, okay, so um, we're going to give you an induction. And I said, well, no, I don't need an induction. I'm in labour. And he said, well, you're not in labour. And I was like, oh no, I I was at this point really breathing through contractions. I was was probably at the point of labour where I would have called up to come into the hospital um, soonish, anyway. Um, so I was doing my hypnobirthing breathing through the contractions, which I think kept, kept me very, very calm. And so I think that also belied how far along I was. Uh, so I ended up, you know, and I was so thankful to have Chris there with me to to advocate for me because, you know, I'm going through contractions and I, I wouldn't have wanted to do it on my own because he was going, "No, she definitely is." Um, and after the birth the midwife said oh no when a consultant says you're not in labor he means you're not in the you're not past six centimeters you're not in established labor so he just wanted to get you to establish labor and I was like but that's not what he said and it really upset me that I had a man standing in front of me telling me I wasn't in labor as I was going through contractions okay. oh my god <laughs> it didn't it didn't put me in the best mood um uh but you know and I, I was saying no and anyway he signed off that he was going to go and get a, uh, either a pessary or gel to you know start to jump start contractions further uh, and i i decided i said oh when he comes back i'm just gonna say no uh, and then i still but because they wanted to monitor me and they were telling me i was going to go through this induction they went to get me some of those really sexy um like aeroplane socks <laughs> to help my circulation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, yep. I, I put them on and I, I got out of bed to put them on and my waters broke. Um <laughs> but my waters broke at 645 or 650 fifty or something, which um is exactly when the changeover of staff was happening. Because <laughs> then uh, which again <clears throat> I didn't fully realise. So I told some, uh, and as soon as my waters went they were thick black and I knew it was meconium and it was it was pretty much the most amount of meconium you can you can get in waters and I turned to Chris and I said oh because they said I had to go into the labour ward and I couldn't go into the midwife led unit so the midwife led unit is um, far more relaxed they've got rooms with the pools and you know cushions right. in a sofa, and it's far more like a home away from home, whereas the labour ward is, you know, like a, a very medicalized hospital ward. And I had managed to find a lovely midwife, Lauren, who I'd met previously, who saw my name on the board, had come to check and see if I was okay. Um, she had actually come along to my hypnobirthing classes for a couple of weeks because she'd wanted to learn more about hypnobirthing, and so um i had met her previously and she knew i was hitting a birthing and she said before the meconium that i will even uh, i will give you the paperwork to sign off that you know the risks and i will personally see to you in the midwife led unit and then after the meconium i turned to chris and i said no we're going to have to be in the high risk ward now because i'd read up about meconium cause like i said i'm a planner <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no i said that, I, i'm definitely not and i a nurse came in a midwife came in and she said okay get into bed and and we'll start monitoring you and i'd already told someone my water's had broken and i said oh well can i at least have a, a shower or something first and she was like no you can't have a shower like i was being really difficult and i was like okay well like, can i get some new socks and she's like why do you need new socks and i took one step to the left and said because my water's broke and she went when did that happen? I went about five minutes ago, <laughs> and it was because of the changeover of staff that it hadn 't come through that my waters had broken and, and she saw the meconium and I got rushed off to the labor ward and and monitoring started and then from that point on, I had to be monitored twenty four seven I had to be monitored the entire time um, by the bands around my belly, and that meant that i wasn 't able to move while I was going through contractions because that was the moment they needed to take the baby's heart rate and so I had to stand still and as soon as I, I was coping absolutely fine with the contractions right up until I wasn't able to move and again the midwife did everything she could she went and found some that didn't have wires um, there was only one set in the hospital I think in order to try and let me get a bit more movement but they weren't picking up the baby's heartbeat and she said look because of that amount of myconium if, if we can't get a steady heartbeat rate you're gonna to have to go in for cesarean and i was like i really you know if i can help it i'd, I'd rather not um yeah you know <clears throat> so yeah it just became a, an escalation of medical inf- intervention from that point onwards because once i wasn't able to move um, I, I started not being able to cope with the contractions anymore. Um, and at that point, I was absolutely exhausted because I'd been up since 6.30am um, when, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd like slept in. Because <laughs> uh, that, that could have been my last lie-in for months. <laughs> I know, don't we and all th- think
0: back on that? Oh, uh, wish, wish,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah, little did I know. Um, <laughs> and then... I'm trying to think the, the kind of order I uh first of all I have never had so many people come in and put their hands up me it is hilarious how as soon as you're giving birth like you really oh, i was so worried about being embarrassed and you're not I remember mm-hmm. actually laughing with my husband at one point I was lying there and a consultant came in and was like hi uh i'm ian um would you mind if i and then you know like two seconds later he's got his fingers up my cervix and i looked at my <laughs> husband and i just started laughing i was like how is this normal life <laughs> like, at all. Um, yeah but uh so what happened in the end was uh because we weren't getting a, a proper a strong heartbeat on her we did a. they started mounting her by a clip in her head um and then my contractions completely stopped when I was six centimeters, um, which is completely normal for to have latent phases. But because I was 42 weeks, and because of the meconium, they were like, "Okay, we're actually going to have to start you on a drip um, to get this baby out now." Um, and at that point, I said, "Okay, I'll have an epidural because they said there's a chance, you know, it's quite a high chance you're going to end up with cesarean." I said if I'm going to end up with caesarean and I'm going to be prontocentocin I'm already so knackered I think I need some I said if I have an epidural would I be able to rest and the midwife said yes and so I had the epidural and I was able to kind of I didn't sleep but I did that you know when you're like half asleep half awake you know but you're resting and I so it meant I got some rest um, whilst the centocin drip made my contractions very strong and I could see my stomach moving but couldn't feel it it was a very odd experience um uh so at this point I've got the monitor coming out of um, my nether regions I've been put on an epidural so I've got something coming out of my back and then they also put a catheter in you so I've got that coming out of me as well I've got the drip coming out of my arm into my arm to um give me this syntos- you know the induction drug and i've also got another drip going in to give me um to rehydrate me and honestly i look like something out of the matrix i had so many wires <laughs> coming out of me at this point i didn't right. didn't know whether that was coming or going
0: um did you reflect on that when you were in the moment or just after
1: <laughs> i think in the moment
0: yeah
1: i definitely laugh at things in order to be able to cope and I was very much in the coping I, after my birth I did look back on it and I found it quite difficult how the medical intervention really escalated and I didn't feel like I had as much say as I wanted and I wish I had been more informed about certain things and I would have made different choices Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I think a lot of people feel like that Uh, at the time it was just a I don't care what happens as long as my baby comes out healthily. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: of course. Um, of course. Moment, uh, And I then my um, epidural started to wear off just as my contractions started to really ramp up. And they said that the, the induction drug had made my contractions so strong, it was actually causing the baby to be distressed. So I was going to have to have a cesarean. So I started getting prepped for a cesarean. At this point, and I came in and I got read all the things and I was signing the papers of the cesarean, um, and I said, "Well, I, I explained that." Uh, but this point, it is the next day, very much the next day. Uh, so I'd started feeling contractions on the Tuesday at eleven a.m., had gone into hospital about two thirty, three o'clock on the Tuesday and by this point it's about two o'clock in the i don't know it's 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 definitely the early after earlier uh like late morning early afternoon of the next of wednesday by this point Mm. Mm. so i've been up for 36 hours and i um the epidural had been in for over 12 hours and so it had slightly moved in my spine and so it stopped working efficiently and i was starting to feel um feel stuff and i thought i better say this now because it's the same site location they're going to use for the cesarean so they so they start reciting it and as i'm sitting um there was uh sitting there so someone was learning how to do it and i was like oh not now please not now and I could hear the lady say okay and what you do next is and he's like is this right is this right and I'm like hurry up I can I can feel her descending I can feel her descending and they're like oh no you're fine I was like no no really I can feel her descending and they checked and they said oh actually yeah um she you you are now fully dilated and you know she's engaged so then they stopped the cesarean for a minute and I was, the consultant agreed that I had one hour to get her out. And if I hadn't got her out in an hour, then they'd take me in to theatre for birth intervention. So that made me so determined. Um, And (laughs) because the uh, effigy hadn't been working properly, it meant that I still had some use of my legs. So I was, I asked if I could, you know, try and get into a position that wasn't lying on my back. And I pushed like that for probably about half an hour. And it, it wasn't working. So I ended up giving birth, lying on my back with my feet in stirrups, which is the one way I didn't want to give birth, but at least she arrived healthily.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. That's super empowering that you got to to deliver her that journey yes. at the end. Yeah. Last minute Lyra. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that funny how our children like the pregnancy and the birth reflect, at least in my voice, so much. Of who they are as people and how they you know it's just it's funny that you say this too
1: this last minute yeah. oh I've, I've definitely found that with both my pregnancies and children so far as well
0: <laughs> so how was it when she
1: when she came out oh I was just I was so absolutely relieved um and that's one of the things I think that in it was like you know I wasn't really upset about my birth until A couple of weeks later, probably a week later when I really looked back and thought about it. Um, I think it didn't help that I was so tired because I'd been up for, you know, it was a relatively long labour. You know, Mm. I was in in the hospital for 26 hours and, you know, it was like 30 hours from when I first realised. And, you know, I mean, I've been awake for like 48 hours or something, you know, so... just that exhaustion doesn't help. Um but I felt like that euphoria was lost because I didn't feel it. I was just it was relief rather than excitement and euphoria. I Mm. was just like she's here, she's safe, that's over (laughs) (laughs) all those things. Um I didn't I didn't have the my baby I've never felt love like this before um, at all. And I i didn't actually i I felt a very strong sense of what's the word um duty towards her um and and i did love her but i loved her in the same way as i loved like my godson or you know my best friend's children I, i didn't love her that extra bit that she was mine um and i i wouldn't say i had that until she was four months old right um and you know clearly now in hindsight that was the like you know the depression surrounding it all
0: yeah yeah Um, definitely yeah I think it's something that we don't talk about as much as well like I had some not um postpartum depression but uh, postpartum anxiety for for a while that I just uh, realized long after but I also didn't didn't feel very attached to Phineas when he was born I was just you know, like you said it's a strong sense of okay he's mine I got to take care of him but I couldn't really look at him and go oh I love you you know like in the movies and I felt yeah. like I was supposed to and it didn't come and it, it took a while definitely
1: and I was worried something was wrong because it is ex- that was exactly my uh, experience as well mm. yeah but I've, I've heard since you know that's it's actually really normal yeah um, yeah, yeah, it's it's really normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we should talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes.
1: <laughs> so how was postpartum then with her? Well, luckily she she was a, she's been a really crazily healthy child. She has had a temperature. She's now two years and four months. She's had a temperature once in her life. um She's never been ill. I, I, she's just. A crazy strong bundle of insurance <laughs> um, and SAS, an awful lot of SAS as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I was very lucky with that. But I really wanted to breastfeed because I think in the moment, uh, I wasn't aware at the time that I was suffering from like depression, like, you know, the pregnancy depression. Um, or anxiety or so I just thought well maybe you know if I get breastfeeding established that will really help us bond and help this bonding and I did everything I could to breastfeed Uh, we went um, the hostel said she didn't have a tongue tie but my nipples were lipstick shaped and very sore and bleeding and very painful and every breastfeed was awful and really luckily we've got something in the uk called breastfeeding cafes which are set up around the country um by um, lactation consultants and breastfeeding consultants and they are places where you can go and they're now on zoom at the moment but and get free breastfeeding advice and there was one down the road there's one in my town um every wednesday and so i went along to that every week and not only did i get to be out of the house and be around people and other mums and we could all talk about how tired we were and all the rest of it (laughs) i got really lovely um and supportive breastfeeding advice from Catherine there and the other ladies and you know I, i first went when she was a week old and they said well um it might be tongue-tie and then i spoke to again laura laura who uh, my hip bedroom teacher who also um at the time was studying uh, breastfeeding and and now she also does breastfeeding support as well and she said told me of a private place to go because you know i tried the nhs um <clears throat> which is glorious in many ways but i just needed to get this fixed uh so we went and um, it wasn't cheap but it turned out she did have a 70 percent tongue tie and it was just a really unusual thick tie at the back and so we had that cut and that helped a bit but no matter what I did like she wasn't gaining weight she was gaining weight but <clears throat> uh, on the on the percentile she was dropping percentage body weight uh, right. and to the point where we had health visitors involved and was getting sent back to <clears throat> see medical professionals and hmm. I, I did everything they said I ate all the food they told me I was eating like a bodybuilder because it's like protein and this I, I was eating like world's strongest man um and I was recording every feed I was doing in order to be able to like show look I'm I am feeding uh, mm. And I look back now, now that I've got my second, and I no wonder I was depressed and tired. I was breastfeeding, and not including the winding and burping, literally her on the breast for seven to eight hours a day. Wow! In order to try and get her weight up, and you know, all of this really loving advice of there's really rarely a reason why a woman can't breastfeed. And then when she was ten weeks old, I eventually went and saw. A really well-respected lactation consultant who was actually really quite far away. She was about an hour and fifteen minutes drive. I was like, she's like known as the best of the best. She's written books, um, and her name's Anna Lagrange, and she was amazing. And she looked at me, and she looked at Lyra, and she said, "Well, no wonder she's not putting on weight. She's got a a high arch palate." And I said, "What's that?" It turns out sometimes if babies when babies have tongue tie it means that in the womb their tongue has been restricted so it hasn't moved in the correct way to pull the roof of the mouth down low enough so she had a very very arched mouth so uh, upper mouth so no matter what position i put her in my nipple was never ever going to reach her soft palate because it was too far away and she said Yeah, actually, it's one of the few cases where you can't, like, it's it's nipple shields or, but you're not going to be, like, that's why she's not bringing milk in. And the relief of having an answer that wasn't, you're not doing everything you can, I just, I cried and cried. It was such a relief. And I mean, in hindsight, I was way too hard on myself with the breastfeeding, but it was just something I'd really wanted to do. but then we introduced bottles and I was still able to do some feeding until she was seven months old, which was nice. But we then started her on formula and she and she put on weight and was so much happier. And I had quite a lot of guilt realising, oh, she is a happy baby. She's just been hungry for the first like three months of her life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah that's-, oh, that's nice. That's wonderful to hear that you found
0: something sometimes we just don't have the answers and, and we try so hard and then and it doesn't really work the way that we want to and but it's it's good to have like someone tell us you're doing it right yeah but here's the thing you know and, and it's really helpful for sure so um so is there anything else you want to share from lyra's birth or postpartum or no i think that's it with yeah that's it great so when did you guys uh decide that you wanted to have a second one or did you decide
1: (laughs) well I I remember when Lyra was very little when Lyra was about six months old I was like I'm so tired I think she might have to be an only child (laughs) because I just couldn't imagine two. um yeah everything was different about my pregnancy and birth and everything with Toba to Lyra um he was actually um a happy surprise <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, uh, I had just started back working um on a theatre show um for the first time since Lyra had been born and um, with um my collaborators like Fran and Perdita and we were up and I was getting to go into travel into London and I was back in the rehearsal room and writing and doing all this and chris i, I was suffering from reflux this this does lead into it. <laughs> i was suffering from really bad reflux and so i'd been uh, sent to go and have a gastroscopy which is when they put a camera down into your stomach mm. um and so that was on the saturday and apparently they're supposed to ask you are you pregnant um because i was due on on the friday and i'd take i'd gone into london and i'd taken you know all the precautionary things with me and i hadn't come on and thought oh you know thought nothing of it and then the next day uh you know i had the gastroscopy um appointment and they never asked me so i never really thought about it or i probably would have said well there is a chance um but they didn't and so I had this procedure <laughs> done at the hospital uh, and at uh, this time my husband was on a lads holiday in Berlin um and I remember coming home and being like okay it's now the Sunday and I was doing on Friday and I've been really pretty regular no I I I can't be but I had did go away and get quite drunk on my birthday, <laughs> okay. um, uh, and so basically for my birthday we'd had a child-free night when my parents took her for the night, and we'd gone to the Cotswolds and and had dinner and wine and a child-free evening, and turns out that's all it took <laughs> the second time after all that trying the first time, um, yeah. but I didn't take a test because I was like I'm not taking a test while Chris isn't in the country, so. he came back and I didn't say anything to him because I was still thought I was being silly in my head and I had a pregnancy test left like in my cupboard left over from the multiple ones I had when I was trying with Lyra Mm. and he was putting her to bed I went to walk the dog came back took the pregnancy test in the evening thinking I mean you're supposed to use your morning wee it's, it's, it's gonna say no and it came off as pregnant and I came out stunned from the bathroom and Lyra for some reason was just having a meltdown she would she didn't want to fall asleep it was like way past her bedtime and she was screaming and I went upstairs and I took over from him you know because you know try and give each other respite you know she's been screaming at him for 20 minutes now let her scream at me for 20 minutes (laughs) let the other person recover Mm yeah i know this (laughs) Uh, but in my head i'm like i'm pregnant and i went up and he came down he has no idea i'm holding her she's screaming and i'm going what am i doing (laughs) like this is a shock to the system (laughs) and she eventually went down and i came into the kitchen and um my husband's like you're right probably expected me to say how was Berlin and what I did instead was burst into tears and said Chris I'm I'm pregnant and he went well surely that's a good thing which is the nicest thing he could have said and the best thing he could have said um because I was really worried that he'd be like oh no um so that helped but I I was like but I've just got back into like theatre which I miss so much and I all this kind of thing and I just I cried for like two days of like I don't I'm not ready I don't think I can go through birth again after last time or all, all this uh, and then a lot of guilt because I know how hard it is for many of my friends to have fallen pregnant and you know feeling ungrateful I think I found it really hard because I felt very ungrateful and very guilty for not being happy because it was the complete opposite you know I was so excited when I found that pregnancy test with Lyra and it was like the complete opposite feeling with this pregnancy um so yeah um and I then was I wasn't sick at all with Lyra I was very sick in this early pregnancy I lost lots of weight because you know I'd just eat anything and 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 threw it up for the first three months um and then i started to feel really low again and this time i knew what it was and this time i went to my um gp and i contacted the midwives and really pushed um and said no I, i this isn't right and i had an assessment and i was put on anti-anxiety medication which was the best thing that could have happened and it saved it i had such a better pregnancy and it was an anti-anxiety medication called sertraline which is um no harm to the baby the dose i was taking it in the baby even wouldn't even get withdrawal symptoms at all or anything uh, and it's also safe to breastfeed on um there's a mental health a perimental perinatal mental health team uh, in our area and I have a lovely lady called Jess who calls me up once a month to check in on me see how I'm feeling regulate the medication um offer any additional help if it seems like I need it but it's just nice I don't even have to need to use her every month I think just knowing I have Hmm. that there and I have her until he turns one so I actually spoke to her yesterday and so and it's this continuity of care that I didn't have in my first pregnancy um
0: yeah may I ask after we didn't touch on that
1: actually after
0: Lyra's birth did you what happened with your uh, postpartum depression then did you sort of realize everything then and did you get any help
1: in between the both yeah when she was six months old I went to my GP and it was then that I realized that I wasn't okay and I was put on uh, a waiting list for CBT therapy and that came through I mean it took a couple of months um, hmm. because <laughs> these things take time yeah. but I, uh, I end up having that around the time that I fell pregnant with so actually that helped i was doing cognitive behavioral therapy um and so that yeah that was that's so i i I had realized then and i realized that i was getting that you know the pregnancy was making it escalate again Mm -hmm. and so i and i was really glad to be able to recognize it this time and and go for that help yeah because it didn't make me feel weak and it all these things that I was worried about the first time. Um no, it's just it really helped everything, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I'd learned that. Yeah. That's
0: great. That's great to hear. So so the pregnancy then was was good with Tober? Or did you have it? Did you run into something different?
1: I did actually have because you earlier on you mentioned low like um, placenta previa. I had a low lying placenta this time. It was 1.5 centimeters away from being placenta previa. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I had extra monitoring because of my low lying placenta. Mm. After the escalation of medical intervention at the hospital, um, I had decided that this time I wanted a home birth mm. and I wanted to. Uh, and that was also the other thing that's completely different was uh, this time you know I by the time I got to my 12-week scan uh, we were one week into the first national lockdown so when I found out I was pregnant coronavirus wasn't a thing by the time we got to um, my first scan everything had shut down and so um, we we had an inkling that might happen so we are fortunate enough to have been able to afford to go to a private scan at 10 weeks before everything shut down so that chris was able to come and see (laughs) the baby on the screen and we check everything was okay but then from there onwards in this pregnancy chris couldn't be with me um and the over here what's happened is partners couldn't come to scans they are allowed to go to scans now but um, partners couldn't come to scan so he didn't get to you know see any of the scans so what I did for the 20 week was we did find out the gender both times at the 20 week scan and I I didn't want to find out without him so what I did was I had a card and an envelope and I gave it to the sonographer and when I was kind of um, getting the jelly off my tummy and sorting my bag out she wrote in it the gender. I put it in my bag and then we opened it up when we got home together so we still found out together oh, which is really lovely. Yeah. Um unfortunately I was so eager to get home I got my first and only ever speeding ticket. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it was a good reason though. Yeah. Good reason. It
1: is. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good reason. Um so you know we we tried to keep those special moments as much as possible mm. despite you know all the lockdowns and everything happening yeah and um, the other odd thing was we got uh i didn't get any face-to-face midwife's appointments until i was i think 27 weeks pregnant all of my midwife appointments were on the phone up until that point yeah um and how was that which was uh, again really pleased it was my second pregnancy i think i really feel for anyone who was going through their first pregnancy this time because you I knew what was going on. It was only two years since I was doing all this with Lyra, so it's still relatively fresh in my head. I think you know it's a lot easier second time. Well, you know, if, if when you're having a low risk pregnancy, it's a lot easier the second time round to do that. But I missed being able to hear the heartbeat because that's one thing you get to do when you have the face to face. And yeah. Um, I was, I think, six months pregnant and I realized that the only people to have touched my bump were me my husband lyra and the midwife wow at my 27 week yeah um because we were in serious lockdown you know early on in my pregnancy i couldn't even touch my you know now i i have um at the moment as we speak we're still in a lockdown here but i'm allowed a support bubble so i'm allowed one other household. so i i get to see my um my parents and my brother and his wife who all live in the same household so i i get to go and you know and and see see another adult which is lovely but at the time it's really hard not having people even though you complain about it because you Mm -hmm. don't want everyone touching your bump it's a bit like (laughs) i want to be able to complain about people touching my bump and i want to be able to (laughs) i've got no one telling me oh you look amazing and and how's everything going and Feeding off that excitement of other people, you know, because people are so excited, like for you when you're pregnant, and
0: yeah,
1: sometimes even more excited than you are. Yeah, (laughs) that's really nice. Yeah, that's really nice. I think you need it. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. And it's, I know it's jumping ahead, but it's been the same since he's been born. He's he's not met anyone, like, he's still my um, he's uh, he has met my family because we're allowed to see see that household but um his other grandparents haven't met him and you know chris's dad hasn't hasn't seen him in the flesh uh chris's sister and uh, hasn't been able to hold him yeah. um, his little cousins have i'm so gutted they haven't been able to see him bless them because they're three and five and yeah you know that's that's been quite sad to have missed out on that this time
0: yeah we've talked a lot about that too because our our youngest Avi he's 15 months now and he you know he hasn't met his Kiwi side of the family at all nobody's Mm. met him you know because everything just he was three months when when everything shut down over here so you know it's such a different thing because Phineas Phineas at this age had probably visited 15 countries and met so many performers and our extended family and everything (laughs) and Avi Avi's like this little guy that gets to be at home you know
1: (laughs) so so even so it's really different that's for sure yeah that's the same with us because uh, so my husband's all his family's in the states Mm -hmm. and so when she was eight weeks old um We went to, uh, we took two planes over to upstate New York for Thanksgiving and met all, you know, met, you know, 30 of his American family. And and at the moment, I just, I can't imagine being able to see his American family because we're the worst two countries in the world at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, I'm (laughs) laughing about it. But yeah, when, when Lyra was his age, you know, we'd been to the States and back and like he hasn't even been to Tesco. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Bit different. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, we, it will change soon. Yeah, of this soon. But it All did right. make
1: the pregnancy very different. Yeah. And it was sorry we got into that because it was one of the reasons for me wanting a home birth hmm. was that at that time, um, partners were only allowed to come into the hospital once you were in established labour, and I just had this memory of that consultant telling me i wasn't in labor and chris standing up for me and i thought i need chris there i i the idea of not having him there advocating for me i i can't deal with that yeah. uh, and i so yeah and also with lyra and not being easy just to have Childcare, you know quickly all, all these things mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. so we decided to have home birth and which was just the best decision I've ever made yeah
0: and yeah, the Absolutely. UK they're super supportive of home birth right mm-hmm.
1: well well because of the low-line placenta they actually told me I wasn't allowed one and this is where I think I'd learned from my first pregnancy and birth I had way more confidence to push back um, and in a safe way, I was recommended not to have a home birth because the low line placenta meant I was at an increased risk of bleeding, and that's all they told me. So I asked, "Well, can you please tell me, like, the exact stats? Like, what's what's the increase? What what's the percentage chance you're saying um, in my situation um, with a placenta 1.5 centimetres or like two centimetres away from my cervix? You know, what is it?" and they said oh it's a 13 percent chance of hemorrhaging and i said "Well, what's the chance in a in a you know a, a normal you know placenta place And they said oh five percent and i said well the jump from five percent to 13 percent still means there's you know an 87 percent chance it's going to be fine so i would still like a home birth please and when i'd said you know that quite confidently with the stats behind me the home birth team were like yeah, we'll happy. You know, you have to sign a waiver saying you understand that you're, you've been told the risks <clears> that we can do it. And I'd also spoken to them about. I said, I went over 42 weeks with my daughter, so there's a chance I'm going to go over 42 weeks with this birth as well. um And again, they said that they would come out. They, they said they wouldn't be that happy if it got much over 42 weeks. But early on, I got their support in. Still having a home birth and not being induced at 42 weeks, right. which made me feel so much better after my first experience. Mm.
0: Is there anything else from the pregnancy that you want to share, or do you want to jump into
1: Tober's birth story then? Uh, I can jump into the birth story. So I was 41 weeks plus three, and I had it in my head this baby is going to be late as well. <laughs> like I just knew it. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you found this when you were pregnant, but there's something about when you're pregnant and you're creating new life about there almost being you being the gatekeeper and your body being the gatekeeper between between your ancestors and your descendants and so I'd got really into family history (laughs) and I was (laughs) I was talking to my dad and my uncle um via messenger like all evening uh Lyra had gone to bed really well thank goodness and and I had spent the evening doing um, family history research and I'd made a joke well hopefully in the next couple of days I'm going to add to this family tree um, and that was about nine o'clock at night and then we tied up the kitchen and did our normal evening routine and went to bed at half ten and at quarter to eleven I rolled over and went Chris I think I can feel something, <laughs> and he said, "Do you need me to go and start setting everything up downstairs?" He had really taken it upon himself. He was a superstar at like making sure he knew everything about how to set up, set up um, the hypno birthing stuff, uh, and the the home birth stuff. Not hypno birthing stuff and home birth stuff and everything. And I said, "Oh no!" I was like thinking about to Lyra's. Lyra's, I was like, oh, it's it's just twinges, you know. It was, you know, 36, 30 hours or something before I gave birth last time. I was like, let's just try and get some sleep. (laughs) So, (laughs) definitely second time this time. So, uh, I laid down and, you know, tried to go to sleep. And then they suddenly ramped up, and 10 minutes later, I went, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sleeping through this. And he said, do you need me to go and sit up downstairs? I was like, no thank goodness he did not listen to me and he went downstairs and started blowing up the birth pool that we bought yeah and um, <laughs> getting the hose pipe ready to fill it up and he was like i'm just gonna get it ready just in case just in case and i was like oh fine so then i'm walking around and doing my breathing and i've i've got out my freya app to do the to start time the contractions uh, and <clears throat> i I think i pressed it once and then walked off and completely forgot about it (laughs) and the best way i can describe my my (laughs) my contractions this time was it really felt like i had gastroenteritis like that's the weird horrible the feeling i had it just felt like i had a tummy bug it was like oh horrible um but not but not searingly painful just like oh this is really not nice cramp out and i suddenly went because I'd, i'd wanted Lyra to be there um, and not have to ship her off but one the something I'm really pleased in hindsight I did was just in case she did have to go away because we've been in lockdown and she wasn't used to everyone else um, as soon as lockdown lifted she started having a sleepover at my mum and dad's once every two weeks and so it meant that I got a bit of rest during my pregnancy but also she got really used to sleeping there and which was great because it was now you know about 45 minutes later and I went I don't want Lyra here I'm 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 already focusing on her and not focusing on my body right now and like what's happening in this right now I'm so I'm worried that she's gonna wake up and suddenly need me and I'm feeling really flappy and birth's all rubbish <laughs> which yeah. it, it wasn't but in the moment I definitely said that um, yeah so I called up my brother and he came about half midnight and picked her up and I called the home birth team straight away because they said don't wait until your contractions are. don't wait until you get to the point where you would call if you're going to hospital call earlier so that we can work out the rotor of how we're going to get to you so I called and I said this is how i feel and described them and said oh no it's only it's really only just started i've been only feet only had my first niggle an hour ago And they said okay we'll come about half we'll come about one o'clock And i said yeah that sounds brilliant they said let us know if you need us sooner i was like no no i won't need you sooner um so lyra gets taken away everything else gets sorted and i'm really uncomfortable and i'm going chris i don't think i'm going to be able to do this I was like, I've never given birth without an epidural. Why am I not in a hospital? What am I doing? <laughs> um, uh, and the midwives arrived early. Thank goodness they arrived at, at about quarter to one. So at this point, was it quarter? To, it's only two hours since I f- felt my first niggle, like felt anything. And I said I don't think I'm going to, be able to do this because I'm only three centimeters. And so, why are you saying you're three centimeters? I was like, because I just know that I'm only three centimeters. I can just tell from how I felt with my first pregnancy. Um, and they said, would you like a vaginal examination? And I was like, yeah, I do actually, because I'd said I didn't want them. They said that's fine, and I said no, I, I do want to know. Just psychologically, I need to know whether you know whether I'm one centimeter or three centimeters just to get through this and they went how many centimeters did you say you were I was like oh three and they went yeah you're almost eight. <laughs> and I, oh wow and I said, oh that's why I'm feeling like I can't quite cope with this and they said okay I, I think it might be time to get in the pool now and I got in the mm. pool and it was oh I love the pool it was so lovely and it I suddenly felt comfortable for the first like, you know, and everything. And they offered me gas and air and I said, Yeah, I will actually I I like a bit of gas and air. And so I had that. And um and my and a completely differently from my first birth, I just knew what to do. And I can't mm. explain it. I got into that pool and I just had my gas and air. And I breathed in, and I did all my hypnobirthing breathing, and I breathed out, and I started doing that weird mooing that you can't help yourself doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had a baby in my arms, and from first niggle to him being in my arms, it was three hours ten minutes. I'm getting goosebumps over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and it was everything. Honestly, I would have given birth the ne- I would have given birth again the next day. And I remember hearing people say that before, especially after my first birth, and being like, those people are lying or <laughs> they're mad. And I don't like those people. But I'm now one of those people. Um, my waters didn't actually break until his head was birthed. That was when my waters broke. Um, so, really late, he was almost born in the sack. And <clears throat> just like his sister, there was severe meconium in it. So, uh, we did end up going into hospital because I also, um, I didn't hemorrhage, but I did have heavy bleeding, which I'd been warned I might have. Um, Yeah, I didn't need a transfusion or anything, but it was enough that they wanted to monitor me. And I could also tell that he wasn't, when he came out, not straight away, I did have that, he's here, look. And I had that feeling that I'd wanted after my first birth. And I'd had that euphoria. And I turned to Chris and I went, I don't know why, but he's a Robert. And Robert hadn't even been on our names list. no um so yeah I said I don't know why he's a Robert uh so I named him in that moment and I sat with him in the pool and I held him and the home birth midwives were wonderful at letting me just do it myself they were so hands off they did Mm. Chris says that he knows he, he always laughs at how quick it was because he remembers that we put the dishwasher on just before we went to bed and then while I was pushing the dishwasher started beeping to say it was finished
0: oh (laughs) my goodness
1: (laughs) in between pushes I went please someone turn the dishwasher off it's really annoying me (laughs) (laughs) and he was like so you gave birth in pretty much a dishwasher cycle (laughs) that's wonderful and he was just fantastic at supporting me and being there the whole time, and not listening to me and setting up all the home birth stuff, which was exactly what he needed to do. Um, and he was able to come to the hospital. Hospital, um, I went in an ambulance. Uh, he also, so because of the meconium and my bleeding and the fact that he, I, I looked at him and I, you know, once we were sitting on the sofa and i said something's not right like looking at him i was like he's just not breathing right and the midwife agreed and she took him out and they tested his oxygen and it, it wasn't high enough so he started getting given oxygen so we did need to get to the hospital uh and so i didn't wait for my sensitivity blood naturally i had a injection and then it's so nice though compared to like my first one I wandered into my own downstairs loo and crouched over <laughs> and then and because it was in the middle of the pandemic I like they were, I had to have full PPE on the entire time um and, and I just and, and I wasn't you know trying to get too close and I, I looked at my midwife after I birthed presented her and I was like can I give you a hug? And she's like, "Yes, of course you can," which was really nice because it was like yeah. the first time I'd hugged someone that wasn't my husband in ages. I just wanted to oh. celebrate having my baby, and they were, yeah. oh, yeah, um, my my midwives were just absolutely fantastic, and uh, um yeah. So we we jumped in the ambulance, and I held some oxygen to his face. And by the time we got to hospital, my bleeding had stopped he didn't need the oxygen anymore and so um, I had a couple of stitches but hardly any um, which was amazing for how fast that birth happened yeah, but I think yeah. it's because yeah I, I I just really was able to relax and like I said I understood what was happening with those feelings in labour so I wasn't tensing up and yeah um, so yeah I did go into hospital because we, they wanted to monitor him for 12 hours but I was I was out, yeah, I think I was out after 14 hours of being in the hospital. It wasn't long.
0: Yeah, um, so you got to stay with, with Toba in the hospital? Yes, the entire okay. time,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And did the midwives go with you when you had to go in the ambulance?
1: Yes, they did. Yeah. And um, one of them went to do the paperwork and set everything up, and the other one stitched me up, and then their shift finished, and they went home, and then I had someone else. But mm. they, were, they were with me the whole time which is really oh, nice that's
0: nice that's really nice yeah because here i think you just shift you shift if you have to go to hospital then your midwives not welcome anymore so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah midwives are not it's it's not a i don't think that they're legally allowed in Czech republic to attend birth oh wow so, yeah if they if they do go into the hospital they serve as a doula so uh,
1: yeah that is very different it, these these midwives are they are with the hospital they are even though the home birth team they are the east Surrey hospital home birth mm. team so um yeah yeah they're very much integrated with the hospital
0: yeah the nhs does that very well i think very well so yeah i'm happy that that was a wonderful like uh i don't want to say like a revenge birth but how do you say that I like a, <laughs> in a
1: positive you know, like when way. You,
0: yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. How, how do you say that in English? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs>
1: but I know exactly what you mean. It's a very healing birth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: that's a better than revenge birth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Maybe I'll cut this bit
1: up. No, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so how was postpartum then with Hilbert? With so again, we had feeding problems. I didn't think I did. The breastfeeding seemed to be going so much better, but we got to his 10-day appointment that... With coronavirus and everything had got shifted to 12 days and we went to one hospital to have that appointment which chris wasn't allowed to come in with me and then they said he's lost over 10 percent of his body weight he also had a tongue tie that was not um caught but i really knew this time i was like he's got a tongue it feels exactly the same as with lyra so we got that sorted out when he was seven days old um like so that was good and i think a lot of this has been a lot easier of just feeling far more confident in having gone through certain things before and getting things sorted uh yeah again i really did want to breastfeed again but this time when it 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 wasn't happening and we're in a a lockdown so i i couldn't sit and breastfeed for eight hours a day because i have you know a very energetic two-year-old that needs entertaining as well and it wouldn't have been fair on her for me to be sitting feeding when she's got nowhere else to go, you know, there's no playgroups, there's no nursery, there's no, you know, at the moment. So I I tried as much as I could. Uh, I got a very fancy pump to try and bring in my milk. Um, one difficult moment at the hospital when he was 12 days old, and a a consultant. It's always the consultants in my stories that end up getting the brunt of it, but they do say stupid things. Um, a consultant said to me well you're going to have to bottle feed for the next 48 hours until you're proving he's putting on weight and i said if i don't breastfeed for 48 hours that's going to affect my already not come in milk supply yeah and chris wasn't allowed i was very tired obviously because you're feeding every two to three hours and chris wasn't allowed in with me so i was in this room on my own with my baby being told this by you know a senior medical professional But I did I really pushed back and uh, he had to go off and attend something else and I don't know what happened but for some reason his notes part me thinks it was the uh, nurse that was writing down the notes happened to lose them for me because he knew how much I didn't want to follow this consultant's advice Uh, because this consultant also turned to me and said so if your milk's not coming in what I suggest you do is you sleep more and I could have punched him. I wanted to be like, I have a 12-day-old and a two-year-old and we're in a lockdown. I am sleeping as much as I can. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I could sleep more, I would be. I'm not giving up sleep in any way. It was just... How dare you turn around to a woman with a twelve-day-old baby and tell <laughs> her to sleep more? Have you never met someone before? Anyway, um, oh, oh my God. I could have. He was lucky. I was <laughs> too tired to punch him. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, gosh, yeah, the things people say. <sighs> it's like wow. Okay, how do uh, you think of this co- one? <laughs> came went, oh, we can't find I'm yeah. really sorry. We're going to have to just like do do all this again. And I was like okay so I went through it again and actually worked out really well because she said no of course you can keep breastfeeding I tell you what we will sign you off and say that we recommend top-ups and she said that can either be you can either pump and give top-ups or you can give formula top-ups she said I do recommend that you give formula top-ups simply because I think you're going to drive yourself completely bonkers pumping feeding and looking after a two-year-old in this situation she said you're welcome to do it but my advice is for your mental health not to and that was a much better way of putting it and saying it and compromising um so i went away and did that and i pumped as much as i could when i could and i I fed as much as i could and i bottle fed and then he just after you know it became really clear that he was far happier on the bottle and i I didn't have it in me this time with everything else going on to to really put up that fight of breastfeeding and so I am quite sad that that journey came to an end sooner than I wanted but it, it was the right decision and he's a mm. very happy baby and yeah <laughs> it's all okay
0: yeah they say fed, fed is best yeah. right All right. And and is there anything else from your postpartum or maybe any references that you haven't mentioned yet? I've made little notes here of your hypnobirthing and all the things that I'll put on your show notes page, but is there anything else that you haven't mentioned that you might, you might've used or anything?
1: Um, Oh, yeah. In my, both pregnancies, I had pelvic girdle pain, which is, um, and I used a chiropractor both times. I'd never used a chiropractor before but whether it's a chiropractor or anything I really recommend it (laughs) it made such a difference um, to that because the advice was to to wear a band but then when I went to you know the chiropractor you know she said to me well actually if you wear a tummy band it does support the bump and stop the pain so but in the long run it means that you feel comfortable enough to relax those muscles and so it can actually make it worse so if you don't wear a band but you know concentrate on engaging the muscles to you know engaging your your abdomen muscles and um, that's far better and that made the, the biggest difference is you know kind of right. having my back wet but then kind of learning how to make your body do it itself um yeah i just you know, because so many people get told bump belts, and I really found that um, that not using one is actually better.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great advice. And do the cat? Does the chiropractor also give you cracks when you're pregnant, or or not? No, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> no,
1: no, it was, it was uh, um, far. It's it far more gentle, I think, than than pregnancy right. ones. Uh, and actually, my chiropractor was Lyra. She was pregnant herself. She was only two two or three weeks behind me so i had to for the the first half of my pregnancy and then um someone else for the second half yeah makes sense
0: yeah wonderful i always wondered that because i I love going to the chiropractor but i've actually never gone in pregnancy and i'm like oh i wonder if they crack you no
1: no i never got got cracked um (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) great great okay
0: um great is there yeah Anything else you want to share or do you feel no, like I think that's it? This concludes it all. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for so. for being here and for telling your stories. This was a this was fun to listen I'm to. Done. Wonderful. <laughs> was, I had a really good
1: time. Thanks for listening and letting me share. It was nice to relive them both together.
0: <laughs> Thanks again, kat for coming on today's podcast and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us today. If you would like to reach out to Kat, please send me a, an email at the 9 months podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to share your birth story on this pod with me, then go ahead and head to my website, 9 com, or just send me an email as well is totally fine. Thank you guys for listening
1: and have a wonderful week ahead. See you next week.